Hi, uh, as you know, we took about uh, 20 people down to the Whittier area this past missions conference. And uh, a couple of those people were uh, Dave Darrell and uh, Gwen Fantile. And I'd like them to come up and join me here. Um, what we wanted to do with the uh, whole trip down to Whittier was to capitalize on the earthquake that occurred uh, a couple of Thursdays ago. And the idea was to uh, meet the needs of people down there in the area if we could, and uh, most importantly, to share the gospel. And uh, we had some unique opportunities, and uh, some of the things that we found were not what we expected. Some of the people were a little bit more um, antagonistic. You know, we had some people that were receptive, but there were other people that were just like ready to run away and hide. In fact, we had several cases of that where people actually took one look at one of us coming up to them, and they ran inside the house. I mean, it was pretty pretty interesting the impact the earthquake had on but uh, I just want to give uh, a couple of the troopers here uh, that went down there on the on this excursion I want to give them a chance to uh, talk about it first I'd like uh, Dave Darrell and then uh, Gwen Fanchild to share um, the one thing I wanted to share was I did a little bit thing a little bit different than what most of them did that went down I spent one night in one of the rescue centers down there um, with the families and stuff that were stuck in there that didn't have a home. And it was really a, an eye-opener for me. I stayed down there after all the group left. I went down and got settled in, um, got my cot, threw out my sleeping bag on the cot, and um, was looking around at the people that were there. And most of them were Hispanic people. Um, there were a lot of older people with little kids. And so I was trying to find some people that I could just sit and talk with and just and share with and I started talking to an older lady that had just come in with her family um, it was her and her husband their daughter and her daughters um, had three had four kids and they were all had just gotten a home the day before the earthquake we're gonna go move in the day of the earthquake and after the earthquake the house was shook off the foundation and so they lost their home and so they had just had to come into the rescue center with all of them and so I started sitting down and talking with her and sharing with her a little bit and she just started opening up and I didn't I was able to share a little bit of the gospel and everything she didn't accept Christ but she was really open and it was real encouragement and she said you know it's just really neat to be able to just sit here and talk and share with you and she says you know so many people need to do that around here and that was the kind of feeling that we got the first day was that everybody was you know um, Everybody was kind of receptive, and then the second day we went out, everybody was kind of cold um, because we went to a different area that wasn't quite um, heavily damaged. And so people were kind of cold and stuck in their own faith. But for me, it was a real challenge because I have gone out, I, this is my fourth year here, and I've gone out on several other missions and been able to go up to people, share tracks and things. But this was an opportunity to, on a split-second moment, have to share Christ just through my life and not through necessarily words going through a track but I had to speak to these people through my life and through my actions in a split second and it was a new opportunity a new challenge to me and I think that was the the neatest thing is to see that and have to pray through those situations that I was in um, coming into and um, I'd really appreciate it I didn't um, the lady did not give me her name um, that I was talking with the family and but um, if you would just begin to pray for that family and the people down there many of them are still hurting 
the, the overwhelming thing that we all got, even though the people were fairly clothed, was that you could just see in their eyes that they were hurting and that they needed God. Um, and so just pray that they would begin to open up to the people that would uh, be able to present the gospel to them. Hi. <laughs> um, one of the reasons I went on it was because it was a challenge also. And um, also because I thought, I can't pass up this opportunity that God put an earthquake here and affected these people, and I can't pass up that opportunity. And um, I was excited to hear Monday how people talked about how the awesome experiences they had, and they led this person to Christ. Um, but I'm here to speak on behalf of probably the other half that um, maybe didn't have that real um, successful time during those three days, but now they're learning stuff, because that's what happened to me. And um, with a few opportunities that we did have to share with people, some things were made real clear to me, um, especially this week, that um, one is that um, my the basis of my life is the gospel and and the whole Bible. And when you're talking to people and telling them about your life, it com- becomes clear that that what you believe is in the Bible and that that's what you base your life on and that once gets me to want to um, to be more into it also and another thing is what's really neat is um, when you're sharing with this one man and woman I was with Chip and he when he finally got to the point where he just said the gospel like in about a minute just straight they were like silent it was like I just was I was praying for him and stuff, and I was just thinking, gosh, the power of just the words of the gospel was just like, that never hit me like that before. It just, it's pure power. <laughs> and, um, and the final thing is, if I can remember, <laughs> um, oh, just, it was discouraging. The first day, a lot of people um, we're just happy to talk to anybody and that was like wow this is what I came for and the second day it was it was a lot of people here also got you know doors slammed in their face and stuff but um, Chip again reminded me that we I, we were obedient in taking the gospel out and that is what we were commanded to do and because we did that that is our we can have joy from that not necessarily um, that we saw, you know, results or whatever, but that we were obedient in taking it out. So we had a great time down there in Whittier, and uh, it was a neat experience. We learned a few things about reacting to um, earthquakes and things like that, you know. Um, but overall, we had a really good time, and uh, we had some really neat experiences sharing with people in that area. I have a heart for those people, and. Uh, it really had an impact on me. Thank you. Thank you very much. The next trip was well received by most of you in the student body. A great number of you were a part of it. It was called Kids 87. Huh? Where is Dr. Lynn Crothers? Could he come at this time? Let's welcome the man in the red jacket. What can I say? I've got to wear tennis shoes now to keep up with you guys. We had a tremendous time, but I want every one of you who we had to kind of limit it. 
But every one of you that's going to come up and give a testimony today of something that happened, would you come on up right now? This is the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our sight. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. And uh, I want you to know, we really did try to limit, Russ, the number of people that are coming up here. <laughs> Just to give you a, uh, a feel for the kind of excitement, would everyone that was with Kids 87 just stand up right in your place? Just rise to your feet right now, would you? Okay, stay standing. Stay standing. What is Kids 87? While these people are standing, it's parties, it's balloons, it's cupcakes, it's screams, squeals, shouts, it's games, it's magic tricks, it's big and happy little faces, it's uh, tears, hard work, it's heavy hearts, it's uh, joy, it's fun, hey, it's heaven. As you look at these people around you, I want to tell you what you're looking at. You're looking at hosts and hostesses. You're looking at magicians. You're looking at open-air gospel preachers. You're looking at incredible people. You're looking at today's Hudson Taylors, Moody's, and Amy Carmichael's. Thank you. You can be seated. Kids 87, I want to tell you, it was just a joy to be there, and I've asked these people right behind me here to come on up to give you their name and then to share with you just one incident of the three incredible days. You've got to realize we went to 47 locations. We were five locations short of doing a full year's worth of parties. <laughs> we went to the Santa Clarita and San Fernando Valleys. We had 15 and some days 17 teams going all over the place, and these people are going to tell you what it was like. Um, my name's Kathy, and I wasn't—I was one of the ones that really didn't have a great, exciting incident happen. Um, <laughs> the first day we went to a place that was kind of in a nice neighborhood, and we ended up there was a junior high nearby, and we ended up going there, and none of them came, and only about six little kids showed up, and three of which were of the kids that were lived at the house, and. Um, but it, we had a lot of fun, you know, we played with them and stuff and told them our stories and magic tricks. And um, then the next day I didn't get to go, but on Friday I got to go with a group that went to the big apartment building and um, there was lots of kids there. And I was, you know, I was, real, I was pretty excited before I went and the, I was, I didn't really get to have a chance to talk to any of the kids directly, you know, I wasn't teaching the story or anything and I just kind of sitting with them watching them play and by the end of the day I was it was time to go home and I was thinking man I didn't even get to talk to anybody and um you know the three days are gone and there's your chance too bad for you and um I was you know I was, I was really discouraged and um so I was talking with some but one of my friends and we were talking about how we didn't have burdens for the lost and and or for the, you know, trip that we'd gone on, and that was real discouraging to us because, you know, you start questioning your motives and stuff, and um, then the guy talked in chapel on Wednesday, I think it was, about, you know, it's not, just because you don't have a burden doesn't mean you shouldn't go, and then the other night I was reading and um, in Romans, and it was saying, Romans 12, 6, and 7, 
We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man, man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. And I was thinking because I, I compared myself to a lot of the others in the group, and there's three different groups that got to go, and some of them had just so much joy, and they were coming back crying, sad that they didn't couldn't go back to the kids and stuff, and I just thought, you know, I was just kind of sitting in the car going, yeah, okay, we're going home now, and you know, I just didn't, it didn't affect me as much as it did them, I guess, and so I started comparing myself to, oh man, I'm not as good as they are, or whatever, and maybe I shouldn't even have gone, and um, just reading that and hearing the guy talk in chapel encouraged me because, you know, we do have different gifts, and just because I wasn't up in the front teaching or I didn't get to talk directly or counsel a kid doesn't mean that my life didn't affect them because maybe just being there I you know got through to some of the kids maybe and that I just like to encourage the rest of you to you know just because you don't have a burden you shouldn't go and you know to encourage you to go and to um, just take your take advantage of the opportunity that you can have because you can be used in different ways that you don't even know. Okay, we're running out of time, I know that. So I'm just going to ask you guys, just two or three of you, just to quickly come up and just share with us one or two things. No more. Why <laughs> me? Um, gosh, there's so many of you here. Um, I see you little heads. Um, there's so much I want to share with you. I just had the time of my life last week. I learned so much. Um, the big thing that I learned is what a good God we have. I was with the group that went to the apartments. Um, the first day we had 40 kids there. Um, the first day I don't think we were all as, en as enthusiastic as we could have been. I know I was talking to one of the other people on my team and we were just like, yay, we'll be, praise the Lord, hallelujah, you know. Missions conference, yay. And, um, but then the second day, the second day was really great. Um, we had about 60 kids the second day come. And I really started getting excited, and I saw the kids, and I saw the kind of homes they were coming from, and I really saw how, how much they needed the Lord. Um, and then the third day, I think we had 75 kids there. Um, to total out the whole week, I think that group had a chance to lead 30 kids to Christ. Um, I had the opportunity myself, God gave me the opportunity to lead four kids to Christ. Um, it was just such a blessing to me because um, I guess sometimes as college students we can all get taken up with schoolwork and with financial needs and with our social life that we tend to stop caring about what's outside. And I know that, that that's what happened in my case. And I'd just like to encourage you all to never stop caring and to never lose sight of why we're all here in the first place. You know, God has been gracious in bringing us to this school and, and um, giving us the mind to learn things. But we can't lose sight of why we're learning them and why we're here. Um, another thing 
that I'd like to say for all of you who are involved, which is probably most of you involved in a missions, in a missions team, um, I had a really hard time. I was one of the staff that was crying on the way back home. Um, but I had a really hard time leaving those kids. I thought, that's it, the ministry's over. And I feel like I'm leaving them with nothing. But then I, got, I thought, we got a chance to share the gospel. And even though I left, the Lord didn't leave. And the Lord's going to take care of them. And God's word does not go forth void. His word is going to stay in their hearts because some of them heard it only once, but some of them heard it three, four, five times from all of us. And they'll remember that when they go back to the, their homes. Some of them were abused. Some of them um, had parents that didn't even care, that just left them. Three-year-olds just left them sitting there the whole time we were there. I would just really encourage you to pray for them. You might not know them, and you might not have been involved in the ministry, and I know that it's hard to really relate to it. But I would really encourage you to pray for those kids because they really need the Lord. Okay, I've got to be quick because we're running out of time. <laughs> All right, my name is Dawn Brennan. Okay, D-A-W-N, Dawn. And I really would like to tell you just how excited I am about kids. At the beginning, I was a bit nervous and I was really scared I had to go out and see all these little, little American kids. <laughs> because I didn't know how they would take to me, you know? You know, maybe they don't understand me like you guys. <laughs> so, um, but I went out and I really, really loved them. I'll tell you, you the kids are okay, but I really, really loved them. And what got me really struck home was the fact that um, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. There aren't many people, you know, they're out there telling these kids. I was absolutely amazed. And I suddenly had an idea, click, that I should... <laughs> Bear with me, I don't have enough time to do that. <laughs> okay? Um... <laughs> We really don't have, well, we don't have this sort of a thing going on. And we really need it. So you know what I did? I rang Daddy and I told him. I told him the whole thing. I told him what kids stood for. I spelled the word out. I went mad. I told him about the blues, about the party, the everything, the um, wordless book. And then he's going to tell my brother who's going to be a pastor down in Durban. And he's going to do the same thing. So I'm really getting them excited. All the other countries, because black, I mean, there's about eight different ethnic groups there and there's the Africana, you know, and that's the white and um, South Africans and that. And so I've really got them excited as well and my dad's absolutely thrilled. And in my mind I'm thinking about all these kids in South Africa that are going to come to know the Lord all because of Dr. Sorry, what's his name again? <laughs> Perfect. You know what? Everyone, the one qualification that everybody and kids had was, we weren't there for ourselves. This was God's doing. And to think that God would do this in another country, that is exciting. Listen, we had three goals, and we got to close on this. We wanted, number one, 
to show college students here that there is a ministry they can perform and get involved in. And I think we achieved that. Number two, we wanted to encourage the local churches because this is a local church program, the Iwana Club. We wanted to encourage those local churches, those local pastors, and those local people with what God can do in their midst. And we wanted to win kids to Christ and plug them into the local church. Every one of those goals got accomplished through these kids and those you saw out here. This is only a beginning. Let me tell you this. We have figured from the reports that we have, and these are by not by no means all of the reports. We took only those we're absolutely sure of. 906 kids were reached. 21 parents heard the full, complete, accurate presentation of the gospel. And 102 children, many more responded, but 102, we're sure, came to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not into this for counting numbers. Let me tell you what happened to those 102 names. They are now plugged in to Awana programs, and I know personally that those commanders who receive the names have given the names to the directors. The leaders have those names, and they are calling those kids right now, and I can verify for you that at least two clubs of my own personal knowledge have had children and parents attending as a result of this outreach, and there have been decisions for Christ among some of those who, as you heard up here, did not make a decision the day we had our club. They came to Awana and made their decision, and that's what we're interested in, seeing the local church built up. Now, Russ, I know I'm out of time, but i got to say one more thing. While they were having their clubs, you know what I got to do? I got to sit here and take all of the, the calls. You know, we're out of punch and we need more cupcakes and all kinds of excitement. I'm dying. Friday, a call comes in. This lady says, where's the team? It's 2.15. Uh, wait a minute, Mrs. Jackson, you don't understand. We could only come to your house two days, then we have to move on because we have this big backlog of houses. By the way, we still do, and many of these kids are going to go out and reach those. She said, wait a minute, you don't understand. There are crowds of children massing on my front yard. They're screaming, party, party, party. Well, when I hear that, that's a code three call. I jumped in my car, threw a thermos in, went over and grabbed a couple of kids, and with an old tired balloon and a well-worn wordless book, we ran a minimal party. The kids had a time of their life. Five came to know Christ. And as we were leaving, as we were leaving, picking up our stuff, a little girl who was there by the name of Melissa, you could tell no one really cared about her. She had on a really wrinkled and smelly lavender dress. She came up and she grabbed each of the team members and gave them a hug. And as she hugged them, she said, I am so glad that you came. You see, we're not much in our own eyes. Our names aren't important. But God, on those days, used us as weak, as despised, and as rejected as we are in many people's eyes. He used us to show Melissa his face and his love. How about you? This is the beginning. Come and see me. If God's Holy Spirit is working in your heart for this ministry, you let me know. Joe couldn't come up here and talk, but he's going to be down here. Joe Statham, Joe B. Statham. He has a kid's shirt on, and he has a list. And if you're interested in plugging into this ministry and continuing to help local churches, come talk with us. Thank you. Thank you very much, Dr. 
Doctor. Impact 87 is the last trip we'll review today. Tremendous trip, and here's Kelly Rosenthal to tell you all about it. All right, if the, uh, those five people that were going to come from each team could come forth now to uh, share what went on. Come now. Uh, Impact 87 was a group of 50 students that went down to inner city L.A. Uh, we worked in the local churches from everything from tearing walls out of churches to uh, painting to evangelism. And I'd like to have each one of the, these people come forth and share what uh, Impact meant to them. I'll go first, Kelly. Go ahead. Hi. My name is Keith. Jennifer, Maria, Melissa, Patty, Noel, Darren, Dirk, Ian, Carrie, and I were all under the leadership, the spontaneous leadership of Rusty Rice. It was incredible. I just totally enjoyed the trip. Um, it's really hard for me. I know I kind of, there's so many stories going on of people and what they learn through their ministry, through the missions this past week. And I just want to be really real with you and make it interesting. So I'm going to tell you just a couple of things that happened to me. They may not be really spiritual. They are, but they're not like really deep. But they're interesting. And so let me just tell you. Carrie Edwards and I lived at a house that had eight people in it. And the house was like the size of six dorm rooms. It's very small. It had a small kitchen, two bedrooms, and a living room, one bathroom. I'd never seen a cockroach before in my life. I did that night. Carrie Edwards and I were eating dinner, and they never had a visitor for ten years. So they sat and watched us eat dinner. And... So the mom is sitting there and she's leaning against the counter and, and the mom speaks Spanish and she was talking and I don't know what she was saying, but she was talking and she looks down at the floor and she goes, no, no kidding, no kidding. And, and the, the dad, like he, he sings La Cucaracha, right? He's singing the song. And we were just, Carrie and I were just like, oh my goodness. But they were, they were just like made a joke of it. And you know, it's real seriously. They were content with what they had. And they had a small house. And they had cockroaches in their house. But that didn't matter. They were content. And you know, I saw them give more than I've seen anybody give. I've been at rich people's houses. My dad's kind of rich. But these guys, they gave everything they had. I think in our college nowadays, our goals are to make money. It's to get the right major to make the most money. And that's wrong. The material things seem to get in our way. I don't want to preach at you. I learned that. <laughs> the Miramontes is where we stayed. They were content, but Teresa was very uncontent. Man. She was on a street corner, and Jennifer Worm and I like walked up and asked her if it was taken, because she was like smoking, sitting down, and we sat next to her, and we started talking. She missed out on life. She didn't know who Jesus Christ was. She knew that she could stay awake for eight days taking the drug speed. She knew how to search through garbage to find enough stereos, enough stuff people threw away to buy drugs. She knew how to go without eating for six days and then to binge when she found a $5 bill. But she didn't know who Jesus Christ was. She didn't know about the Bible. and She just didn't know. She found her love and her security in a guy named Butch that wouldn't even meet us. And she had parents at home that were lawyers, and her dad worked at Lockheed. And what was she missing? She was missing that love. Only Jesus Christ would give her that love. And there are people out there that don't know who Jesus Christ is. The two things I learned, we could be content in everything 
no matter what we have. And Jesus Christ needs to be told to these people. Thanks. I was the interpreter for us. I'm the only one who spoke Spanish in the group, unfortunately. Um, when Scott asked me to come with the team, I was planning to go with the Whittier group to, you know, just to talk to people who had suffered from the earthquake. And when he told me that they needed someone to speak Spanish, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll go, no problem. And it dawned on me I haven't spoken Spanish in nine years. <laughs> so, I'm sitting there going, yeah, great, I'm going. Uh, basically what I did is I begged God for the gift of tongues. <laughs> Believe it or not, I got it. <laughs> I swear, I, whenever I go to Argentina, I go periodically, and so I kind of brush up, but I can never carry a conversation without stumbling or a few words, have to stop, and like, what is that word, what is that, you know, just trying to figure out what in the world I'm trying to say. That happened twice in the entire weekend. I could not believe it. I mean, it's usually each conversation I have that. This, the entire weekend, four days, twice I had to stumble over a word. Everything just kind of flowed. It wasn't me, guys. It was God. I know it. There's just no other way I could have done it. That was the main thing I learned, just to rely on what God can do and how much He can help you and everything, you know? Because another thing I've never done is street evangelism. I have never knocked on a person's door and told them about God. I was scared to death because I'm the one who has to talk, you know? Because <laughs> the entire community, we're in East L.A., right? The entire community is Mexican, you know? Everybody is Mexican. There were a few Orientals here and there, and that was it. So everyone we talked to, it's just like, uh, hello? Like, sometimes like team members would help out talking English for a few minutes, and they would just be nodding their head. And I'm going, I bet they don't understand a word she's saying, huh? And I talked to them in Spanish, and they need to go, oh, yeah, 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 and they don't understand. Poor girl next to me just spoke for 15 minutes, showing her heart. They didn't hear a thing, you know? So. But uh, another thing I learned was the pastor of the church, Pastor Suarez, was a new pastor. He's only been there for five months. And the church has only been there for five months. The brand new situation, brand new everything. There's probably about 30 members or 40 members of the church. It's a tiny little place. And just to watch him work out there. And he was like, he's telling us that he's nervous. <laughs> and I'm looking at him going, you got to be kidding. He was out there with his guitar, walking on the street, singing with us, carrying signs. We're just like going, what are you doing? <laughs> we followed, and we just had the best time just out. We had a parade in East L.A., walking down First Street. It was incredible. And then he, what, basically what he told us was that we were such an encouragement to him. And there was nothing more I could have asked for, you know. Seven people got saved, and that was great. But the fact that we can encourage this guy to go out and reach even more people, which I think the biggest ministry that we had. Um, I was with the group that uh, was headed up by Argel. And we went to East L.A. also, and we were at a Spanish-speaking church. Uh, the pastor knew very little English, and it was hard to... We had to speak very simple English to get across what we wanted to tell him. But the people there were really awesome. They were, just like they had been mentioned before, they were so giving to us. But I'd just like to share a few things that happened to Maurice and I in my house. Uh, from ranging from getting there the first day and finding out hours before that our family does not speak any English was kind of uh, a bummer 
we went back and we got there. I took a shower real quick and I get out and Maurice is sitting at the table with the man and the guy's trying to teach him what frijoles means. I'm thinking I'm in trouble now because I've had four years of high school Spanish and the woman comes over to me and she just starts rallying off and you know how fast they speak. We, it was only through the grace of God that we got through that week communicating with them. So from ranging from those problems to the toilet not flushing to Maurice ripping off the door handle on the front door. Yeah, he did. And to eating pig and trail soup for breakfast. Uh, it was a real experience. I would, it's called menudo. Don't ever eat it, please. Um, one experience that I'd like to share and something that I learned through it was when we went out to uh, Alvera Street with another group from Paso Montoya's church. And we met there and we went out in the streets. And the group I was with, we went out to uh, the Union Station. And we had all sorts of tracks. We had a packet full of tracks. And I handed this, this man who was sitting on one of the chairs. He just kind of slumped over. He had crutches. And he just, you know, I, I handed him a, a track on the earthquake. And then I went on my way. And I went on talking to other people, and as I came back, I looked at him, and he still was looking at it. So I, I went over to him, and I asked him, well, what'd you think of it? And he, he said, well, I liked it. Do you have anything else? And I said, sure. So I gave him another thing. He said, well, do you have anything else than, anything else than that? I said, sure. So I started giving him everything that was in my packet. And so it got to the point where I would like to get this man a Bible. So I went out and I tried to find the leaders of the groups and come to find out I can't give them a Bible. Well, we were just about to leave and I was just standing there and I peeked in the door and I could still see him over there reading. And I just felt, you know, knocking on your head and wake up, Greg, just get over there. So I went back and I talked to him again and I kept talking. I talked to him about what he was reading. I talked to him about Jesus and I talked to him about the Bible verses. And, you know, finally, I got to the point where I just said, would you like to accept Jesus? And he was so excited. I mean, I can't even tell you how he looked. He just said, yes, I would like to. And so I explained to him again what he was, his commitment he was making. And he accepted Christ right there on the spot. And, you know, the one thing I learned out there, just from that one man, a stranger who I'd never met before, is people, not only do they need the Lord, but they really want to hear about Him. They really do. I, it could have been so easy to pass up that guy and just give him the track, and I would not have given him anything else, and I may not have talked to him. You know, the scary thing is, is that he, could have, he would have been going to hell if no one had reached to him. And that's one thing I learned, and it really hit me hard, is, you know, back home I have friends that I still keep contact with, I have family and relatives around that really don't know and really want to hear. And hell is so real, and it's, it just brings chills to me. And I can't, if I can go out and if we can go out and preach to these people who we do not know, have no clue, just first time met them, and have people accept the Lord, there's so many people around us that need to know, and that are going to go to hell, and we just don't realize it. So my challenge is to you. Don't let all these courses, mainly for us freshmen, you know, to get bogged down with all the Bible courses and lose our fire and lose the, the fervency and the aliveness that is there in the Bible and the Word of God. Let's keep on because there's so many people out there that need Him. There's so many people we know that we just 
forget about or set aside. And it, and it does take things like this to get us fired up or excited. But you know, it, sometimes it just gets us fired up for a while because it made us feel good. But that's not really it, where it's at. It's for the Lord. And I just want to challenge you because we need to reach these people because I don't want to see any of my, my friends or relatives go to hell. So that's it. Because of time, we're not going to be able to have the other groups come forth and share. I'm really sorry about that. But uh, cross-cultural missions is, is more than just going out and, and sharing the gospel. It's something that I think we all learned, that cross-cultural missions is learning about unity and about togetherness, love, uh, just caring for people, for building churches, things like that. It's not only uh, getting people saved. Uh, and Wednesday really tied it up, our chapel speaker, and how he brought everything into perspective, that we're to go out and to bring the message to the world. And our focus isn't on whether people are saved necessarily. We want to see that happen, but that's in God's hands. And uh, I would challenge you, as our team would, that you would not let the missions conference and the impact that it made on your life just slip away and get lost in your schoolwork and the things that you have to do. Uh, there's a world out there that needs us, and, and we're it. And we have that opportunity, so let's go for it. Thank you very much. Well, I trust you've gained some insight into all the other trips, and the last thing we'll do today is enjoy one of uh, Joel's slideshows. And, of course, this crew, he and Anique and the others at help have been working on this thing for several weeks. No sleep last night. You know, it's just one of those all-out efforts to bring you the best. We trust you'll see it as an opportunity to worship the Lord again. Um, to see your friends and to see what he is doing here at the Master's College. It's truly an amazing thing, isn't it? What God is doing at the Master's College.